So we're finally talking Alita Battle Angel this week on Mad About Movies and wouldn't you know it, Richard Barden's not here. How, what a loser. How yeah. coincidental could that be? I mean, just Man. of all the weeks that he had to move and, you know, <laughs> not make the movie that Alita Battle Angel was, was the one that was marked down. I don't blame him, though. Uh, he's gonna been do- championing it all for the last uh, 27 years, actually. He has. He's been all over this. I would, it's like every day. Every day he brings up Alita Battle Angel. It's I been just... all over him too because of his Alita back piece. It is, <laughs> right. It's right. it's a right. full back tat. Yeah, he's got a full Battle Angel, if you will, mm-hmm. on his. Yeah, James Cameron actually came up with the technology. <laughs> Spent ten years doing it too. No. Um, this is going to be a good one. This movie has been in development for. Almost thirty years or something like that. Twenty, at yeah. least twenty years, um, yeah. and it's going to be your entire life, basically. Yeah, yeah and it's uh, <laughs> finally, finally hit the theaters. And what a better time than Valentine's Day for Lead a Battle Angel. Take the loved one, show him how much you care. Take her to a Robert Rodriguez <laughs> PG thirteen CGI fest. So it's what every. Actually, I yeah. like offered to take my girl, and she was like. Uh-huh. I'm actually good. Like you can roll solo. Like I appreciate the invite, but yeah. I'm not. Yeah, Lindsay and I almost the exact same thing. We were we had a a babysitter on Saturday night, and we were trying to figure out what to do. And I was like, well, I mean, I I've got to see Alita if you are at all interested in that. And I mean, I say this to her every week. Every we're week. like, I got to see know, blank. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's yeah. it's it's yeah. You know, one out of every eight times, it's like. I gotta see Stars Born, or yeah, you know, right, ah, right. gotta go see Moonlight, you know. But <laughs> right, yeah. usually, it's I gotta go see Battle Angel or The Predator, <laughs> yeah. or right. And she was just like, "I'm good, I'm all right." So you know, that's fine. We, right. I saw that. I saw it today by myself, as I do. <laughs> it, it's it's a lonely job. This movie podcasting thing. They don't tell you that in podcasting school. Which is a thing, Kent. I don't know if you know that or not. You can make. I did. I saw that that it was actually a thing. Um, at uh, UCLA or something like that, or UC- UNLV, something. There's podcasting sure. uh, major now. So hmm. if only I'd known that I could take that career path, I probably would have right. would have technically done that. Right. But um, don't but do it, kids, don't do it. <laughs> Brian and I carrying the torch, regardless. Despite Richard um, hmm. tonight and uh, today, we're going to talk all we can about Alita. And uh, I'm gonna say right up front, I have no. Um, experience whatsoever with the source material. So mm-hmm. if you're expecting a full breakdown on how that it, how it relates to the source material, this is not the podcast for you. Um, I'm sure film spotting can compare it to some Kurosawa films or something like that. If you want to go check That's that out. Right, sure. Um, but what we're going to do is just kind of, uh, kind of break down, uh, you know, the drama, the production, uh, how it, came to be why it came to be what happened uh how it breaks down uh for us on the rotten tomatoes scale we have yet to submit our reviews and right now i think it's sitting at 59 or 60 percent so depending on what happens in this episode it could determine the fate of alita for, yeah, for could, generations to come certified or back yeah. down to rotten feel like we'll you and i and <laughs> if we already know richard's grade um so he's a, a fresh plus, plus, so plus. if you and i band together and do negative <laughs> right. then we could do it right 
perfect. Richard didn't even see the movie, and he told us just submit his his <laughs> review as fresh. Yeah, and yeah. Uh, a, a plus plus plus. Yeah, it was. It was uh, he, he's really into this. He's really into this. I'm, I'm bummed he's missing tonight. I'm bummed. I'm am bummed. Yeah, we don't get a yeah. full explanation of the back piece, right. inch by inch. <laughs> we'll have to post that on the blog. Yes. Rumors and rumbling. That's awesome. Let the filibustering begin. We do have movie news to talk about before we uh, dive into Lita talk. And uh, a few things to go over with, with just Brian and I uh, in the house. Uh, there's some Star Wars related things. I know people expect us to talk Star Wars when Richard's gone, so we're going to. <laughs> and um, production has officially wrapped, or principal photography, I should say, not production, right? has wrapped on episode nine. And uh, still untitled, episode nine. Now, I don't know, 10 months away from release. Mm-hmm. Uh, no trailer, no title, no poster, nothing confirmed. It's fine. It's um, fine. Keep it that way. But, don't tell me anything. Yeah. Uh, so, they re- so JJ released a, a photo of them, of the three main cast members, kind of group hugging and saying, this has been a great journey. Thanks to their for their hard work. You know, typical kind of uh, post. And uh, his work begins with post-production. On episode nine, but what I wanted to ask you about, talk to you about, is John Boyega, Oscar Isaac. Those people were sharing it, you Daisy know, Daisy Ridley, Daisy Ridley sharing it, talking about it, saying, "I've had this has been such a great journey. I can't believe it's over," you know, kind of thing. Which leads me to believe that the Ryan Johnson trilogy is going to go in a different direction. What What yeah. are your thoughts on that? It seems like they're saying goodbye to each other forever, not like goodbye till this time next year when we're all back mm-hmm. here doing mm-hmm. this, you know? Yeah, I, d- I definitely, I, I haven't seen, they've been pretty hush hush on what the Ryan Johnson trilogy will be. There's all kinds of, there's all kinds of rumors out there. I tend to, I'll just be pretty fair. I, I tend to steer clear of the screen rants and the, uh, Hollywood rumor mill. Like all, yeah. yeah. All these, those things are, you know, sometimes they're right, but their batting average is like a hundred, you know, <laughs> out of a thousand, and they trumpet those uh, those successes big time. So it's kind of obnoxious. But like just a minute ago, like right before we got on the air, somebody, a friend of mine, um, tagged me in a in a screen rant post on Facebook that was saying that Army Hammer had been cast as as Batman. So I went to Twitter and I looked through all the the sources that I think are pretty reputable, and there's no mention of it. So Army Hammer might be Batman. I don't know, but Screen Rant there's, is. I not can tell you, the, he's not. I can. Yeah, I mean, he's not. He's not going to do that. Yeah, no. even if he does. But Screen Rant, it doesn't mean that Screen Rant had some source on it. It means they're just throwing crap against the wall and and hoping that some stuff sticks. So anyway, um. So I've seen vague rumors about what it's a, what the the trilogy will be about, and then there, of course there was the other day where they were saying that the rumor was out there that he was quitting and he was not going to do the trilogy, and then he very clearly went to Twitter and said, "No, I'm I'm still doing it. I'm working on it right now." But yeah, dude, I think th- that feels like the one thing that we can definitively say is this is the this is the end, or at least at the very least the uh, the. I don't know, like it's the end for a while on the Skywalker uh nine films, the triple trilogy or whatever you want to yeah. call it at this point. So yeah, no, I think I think uh I think Ridley and, and 
and Oscar Isaac and John Boyega, I think they're they're done and this is it. And we are we'll see that that Ryan Johnson trilogy go in a different direction and maybe we get the oft rumored uh Kenobi movie at some point. Um and maybe and then I know like they ha- they're gonna put a it seems like they're putting a lot of emphasis into the the TV shows. So that's gonna be a big part of where the Star Wars universe goes from here, and I'm I'm pretty pumped about that. Um but yeah, I think I think I think we can pretty definitively say this is it for for the uh the the trip trilogy that we've got going here with the original three and then the prequels and then the the I don't know what do we call this the Abrams trilogy. This has got to be like the I don't know clean slate trilogy. Like to me, if this is it, like to to me, it's a it's kind of dumbfounding if they're going to end it here with these characters that they've built. Um, I got a feeling more people will want to see Ray after this film. I got a feeling they're going to want more Kylo Ren after this film. Um, I don't, I think it's kind of a bad business decision when you built up all this credibility to me, it just seems like we're using these three films as a way to get rid of the old star Wars and we're going to kill off Han, we're going to kill off Luke Lando's probably going to get killed off in this next one. Leia, of course we know um, that that situation has happened. So, I mean, if they're going to just completely forget about it, then to me, it's just kind of a, a footnote on the star Wars legacy. Honestly, it, hmm. it, it, it's, it, uh, it feels like it only would exist to right the wrong of the prequels in a, in a way. Does that make sense? Like it's not really building anything yeah. that they're actually going to build on. Like if, if Kylo Ren's never mentioned again, you know, or just in passing, or if these, none of these characters, like to me, it would make sense to have this film come out, you know, maybe Ray's story arc ends, but then the next film is Kylo Ren in a whole nother, you know, part of his life or whatever, or a prequel trilogy with Ryan Johnson. Or, uh, I just think it would be disingenuous to say, all right, Ryan Johnson, um, build an entire star Wars universe basically. And not to mention the trilogy that's going to be made by the game of Thrones guys after they're done with game of Thrones that they've been, um, commissioned to do. So it seems like they're going to get rid of the uh, offshoot films or the regularity of the offshoot films, the Star Wars stories, mm-hmm. and uh, have two kind of offsetting trilogies. What, what, how do you think that's going to work with, with yeah, look, Ryan Johnson's they're... trilogy and the, and the Game of Thrones right. trilogy happening at the same time? They're going to have to maybe play off each other, but maybe not. I just think it would, it would be kind of jarring to have this trilogy come out and then that's it. Thanks. Everybody goes home and and we're good. You know, uh, the Force Awakens see, would be like the highlight of that, and maybe that's a pretty good. Highlight, we'll see all though. this. Yeah, it's a great highlight, but there's a lot there. Um, I'm ex- yeah, I kind of forgot about the Game of Thrones trilogy as well. I mm, where did I start? Okay, there's a lot there. I'm I, surprised I like, Disney's still in the Ryan Johnson business. To be honest with you, eh, he did a lot. I don't want to get into it. I don't uh, that the Last Jedi thing just makes me insane on yeah. both sides of it. I just I, it's like. It, it made it made Star Wars conversation still to this day like incredibly un unenjoyable on like every side of it and i <laughs> yep. and i don't i don't think that i don't think that movie deserves it on either side of it i think it's a solid movie and if you don't that's totally fine and if you think it's great that's totally fine but gosh it is just it is generated but i i'm of the opinion i think i've said this before but i think ryan johnson in for there are there are there are issues with that movie for sure i think part of it was Ryan Johnson taking one for the team as far as 
the inclusion stuff and as far as trying to like kind of reclaim the force for everyone which was sort of what the original trilogy was sort of laying down and then it completely got stripped away with the prequels with midichlorians and it becoming just so skywalker intensive so i i think part of it i i really believe part of it is like hey man we'll give you make this movie you get a chance to make a star wars movie then we're gonna let you make three more but also we're gonna need you to take a couple shots here because we need and then we'll have jj come in and kind of clean things up that's i don't know if that's conspiracy theory or just I don't know. Whatever. It it doesn't matter. I um I like this trilogy as a book into the Skywalker series. I think you're right, Ken. Like it wouldn't surprise me if these some of these characters came back in some form or another, whether it's uh, a standalone movie or another trilogy somewhere later down farther down the road or in the TV shows or whatever. I I think that there's a possibility that that happens, but I do think I I kind of take the opposite route, Ken. I think it would be disingenuous to just keep bringing out this kind of extend the Skywalker trilogy for another trilogy or excuse me, the the nine movies to like 12 movies mm-hmm. or 15 movies or 18 movies and just keep it going. I like that. We are, we kind of have a bookended series. And then from there, I just, I think that star Wars is so wide open. I think that universe is so open and there's so much that can be done within it that, uh, I'm, I mean, I'm pumped to see what, what Ryan Johnson does, and I'm pumped to see what Benioff and Weiss do as well to step out into that territory, whatever it may be, whether that's, uh, you know, uh, but the Clone Wars or the Knights of the Old Republic or way in the future of uh, from 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 uh, Daisy from Ray and Finn and all that. I, I don't I don't know. Like, I just I think there's a lot that can be done. And I think it would, I think it benefits the franchise to, or the universe to kind of, to set aside the Skywalker storyline and go off and do its own thing. And I think Solo bore that out a little bit. I think the, I think if, if, if you got uh, Kathleen Kennedy on, on a polygraph and, and got her to, you know, to tell, tell some truth, I think they, two things that they learned from the Solo experience is that one, these, these standalone movies or anthology movies or whatever, they, I don't know that we're as pumped for them as they thought we were. Clearly, clearly they thought that that was just going to be an easy billion dollars and that was, it was nowhere near that. So I think they learned that, but I also think they, they kind of learned, um, maybe we need to get a little, we need to have some, we can still have the star Wars name and that will bring in a certain number of, of, uh, audience members and viewers and stuff, but we need to have something that's not, uh, as beholden to what the you know the past of the series is and to move mm-hmm. on and do something in a, in a new direction so that's kind of that's where i think this is going i think at some point you got to end the skywalker thing and move on to the yeah. next thing now but again to finish i'm sorry I've, I've gone on forever but i think it's not it wouldn't surprise me at all if in 2023 or something Kathleen Kennedy was like, "All right, and our next trilogy that we're just gonna that's gonna debut beginning in 2028 is uh, gonna be following Ray and her children, you know, or something like that, and just mm-hmm. and and bring Daisy Ridley back or bring John Boyega back or it would Oscar be Isaac yeah, it would be. I mean, it would be so unlike them to do to not have them involved, just because Star Wars from its in its very you know." 
infancy is all about generations and about, you know, your father's legacy and living up to that and gaining the trust of your, you know, father and gaining their traits and, you know, and becoming, you know, that becoming Luke becoming Anakin was kind of the whole thing. And then the same thing kind of, they tried to bring it back with Han Solo and, and uh, Kylo and him trying not to do that, you know? Um, so it would not surprise me to be honest, if we're talking about Ryan Johnson and future and everything, if JJ Abrams takes the opportunity at episode nine to, I don't know, the phrase is probably wrong to say, right. Some of the wrongs that, uh, people had with the last Jedi. What mm-hmm. do you, you know? Um, yeah. Oh, Ray does have a legacy and it's Obi-Wan. Oh, okay, great. Everyone's happy. You know, um, I think there is such a vendetta in the Star Wars fanboy community right now against Ryan Johnson that I feel like they're setting him up for failure, honestly, putting him in this position with a new trilogy. It's going to have to be, I don't know, the best movie of all time to win people over after some of the feelings that people had towards the last Jedi. I mean, really it's that severe of them wanting to, to see him fail, you know? Um, and that's horrible, but that's what we, we're the place we're at, you know, Mm -hmm. um, is it's just bullying. And I just feel like they'd be doing him a favor to say, thanks for what you've done. We're sorry that we signed you up for this next trilogy before the last Jedi even came out. (laughs) And you were subjected to basically two years of, torture um on social media and you know he's gone off and done his own thing he's made a thriller that's coming out this year and kind of probably tried to distance himself as much as he can from that but at the same time he's using okay perfect example of how much ryan johnson listens to the fans the entire last jedi is basically a response to the fans right (laughs) he's like what are the hot who's snoke all right well i'm gonna kill him right uh Who's Jedi race parents? All right. Well, it's not going to be who you think it is, right? It was, it was kind mm-hmm. of. Oh, you think uh, it's going to follow the template of the Empire Strikes Back? Well, I'm going to do the literal opposite of that, you know. Uh, sure. And and so I just think it's it's going to be very interesting to see how this plays out with mm-hmm. in the yeah. next two yeah. to two to three years. Um, after the J.J. Abrams movie comes out, how do they handle Ryan Johnson? Do they bring try to bring back J.J. to reboot another trilogy? Do they just go with the Game of Thrones guys after the Game of Thrones probably wins every single award it could ever win at the end of this year? Um, and they go out on top. Is Do they just want Ryan to write the movies and they bring somebody else in and maybe have more of an advisory role? Maybe he becomes the new Kathy Kennedy. Maybe Kathy steps aside and Ryan's a new Kathy and he hires somebody to direct the new trilogy, and he's more of the mm-hmm. the figurehead steering the ship I, by the instead way, of genuinely. I think yeah. that's very possible. I don't think. Oh, I know. I, I think it's possible I, that I, Kathy's I he, trying to. Yeah, I've heard Dave Filoni's name floated out there as a mm-hmm. possible. Right. But I mean, he's of course the Clone Wars, the animated side of things of Lucasfilm, and it does great work and has you know a lot of respect by the Star Wars fanboys. I think that's mainly the reason for that is they that's who they want to see running uh, Lucasfilm. I honestly would not be opposed to George Lucas coming back at this point. And, (laughs) and I'm not kidding. Um, A lot of the things that George Lucas said that he was chastised for, uh, like on the Charlie Rose show uh, a couple years ago for saying some things about the way Disney was going to handle star Wars, you know, like looking back now in 2019 and looking back at that, he was pretty dead on with a lot of the stuff he was saying on how they were going to just commercialize it and make, you know, 
they want familiar, you know, the fans want familiarity. They don't want new characters. They want the old characters back. And, you know, and that worked definitely to a certain degree, but, um, I just think they need, they need a reset of some kind, um, mm. a, a kind of a jolt, like a, you know, a, an ER jolt to the heart of, for the Star Wars. I don't know what that is. I don't know if Ryan Johnson can provide that with a new trilogy or if this new trilogy with Game of Thrones, if whoever they cast, you know, maybe makes a difference. But, um, I just think, uh, it, it needs, it needs to breathe new life. And I, and I think, like you, you mentioned it earlier, this Mandalorian series on, on TV could be, could be it really. That could be, mm-hmm. could be what people really truly care about. And the movies become kind of an afterthought and they sort of shift their focus to streaming TV now and Disney plus and that platform that's going to launch very soon. Um, like all these Marvel shows getting canceled on Netflix, you know, they're just going to move all those to Disney plus. Like you're just setting this thing up for success, you know, and I think Netflix knows it's coming, but, um, I, I, I see that as the new wave of Star Wars is more of the online anthology series, cartoon series kind of thing, less focused on we're centered around these three movies that are going to come out in theaters at Christmas. You know, um, mm-hmm. that's the future business of Star Wars. If they're smart, they'll get somebody that kind of sees it that way and is less yeah. in the like Kathy Kennedy. Not I have nothing against Kathy Kennedy. I think she's great, but she is a very old school Spielberg Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, let's go shoot this on film type of person. And while that's great, and that's what we needed when when we needed to purge George Lucas's CGI from everything, we needed somebody with her sensibilities to come and kind of set the stage. But now, I think they're setting themselves up for the next twenty, thirty years. Mm-hmm. And what's that going to look like? I don't. I'm not sure. But yeah, I, I, I know that's a huge think... question to ask. But I. But uh, like I said, they they've got a lot of opportunity to. Sink or swim. I mean, mm-hmm. the last year, the last two years were probably the most controversial in thirty years of Star Wars, and that and that's saying a lot. Yeah, I I think that's. I mean, the prequels. <laughs> the prequels. I, I don't know, man. No, dude. They, look, this this, this solo my, thing. This all no, the, the worst no. movie to ever come out. Oh, oh, I know the prequels are bad movies, but I'm just saying, like the actual. The proof is in the in the actual finances now. Like they can look and see, like, oh, we're not selling as many toys as we were. We're not doing, you know, as good of business as we thought we would be doing. It's actually sure. hurting them now more than it ever has. Before, like you said, you could throw Star Wars on something and it'd be an easy billion dollars. Even with the prequels. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, look, audiences are different, and the I I still wish we could go back and see what the reception on Solo would have been if we didn't know about all the the mess behind the scenes and how all that i think i really yeah i think that played a part in what happened and i think part it played a part that people didn't want to see a, a a solo prequel i mean that's just or an origin story or whatever i mean that's that's clearly as part of the message it's that more i think it's more that, that than it is the production stuff cuz 90% of people that would go have no don't care don't watch follow variety I, don't you know i tend to agree with you 90% of the time. I think that was one of the there are others. There's like I think there's about 3 movies a year that are the outliers when it comes to uh people following that sort of stuff. And I can't tell you. I've never never in the history of the 6 years we've been doing this show and the 5 years that I was like writing about movies and doing reviews and all that sort of stuff. I've never had as many people just random people at church that just would come up to me and be like 
um, man, what's going on with Star Wars? I'm hearing all this bad stuff about what's happening in the <laughs> scenes with Solo. And it, it just was a it was a major outlier compared to anything else. I mean, to, compared to like what the the background on Alita is, or what the background on uh, Iron Man was, or any of these other movies. Like, I, it just it took on a it had a whole life of its own compared to what normally would have happened so uh, what normally happens because so i i agree with you can't usually 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 we are much more informed than the average uh the average moviegoer just just people in my at my my daily life as far as what's going on with with production and things like that but that that was an outlier it was a weird it was just a weird thing and i think it's because it's star wars because people uh focus on stars and post Last Jedi, when there were so many people who were unhappy for one for for one reason or another, it just added to the the heat on that. So, like, what I'm saying is, like, I I don't think that that was there was no way in hindsight that Solo was ever going to be, uh, you know, a billion dollar movie. But if it was, if the production hadn't been so weird and changing directors and such kind mm-hmm. of a mess, and if it had released a year after last Jedi instead of five months after last Jedi and stuff. I wonder if it would have been, you know, half a bill, something like that. Cause I think solo was under, I have to go back and look, but I think it was under $300 million, which is, I think it, it um, ended up being the most expensive star Wars movie because yeah, of the reshoots, reshoots and stuff like yeah. that. I mean, that's, that's part of it. So yeah, under 400, I should say for, yeah, four, under, under 400 worldwide. So that, I mean, it lost money for sure. Cause of, Mm-hmm. Uh, not just the budgetary stuff, but the ads and, and everything. So it's just a weird, it's a weird place. The, the franchise, the universe, to kind of wrap this up, is in a weird spot. And I, I think there's, the good thing is, I think there's, a, we, we've kind of, we're taking different sides of the equation, I think, a little bit. But but both of those, I think, have value. There's ways to, there's a lot of ways for Star Wars to kind of get out of this. And I think we'll get a lot. We'll be. I think we'll have a much clearer picture of what to expect moving forward. Not just narratively, but like the the type of movie we're going to be making going forward. The decisions that are going to be made going forward, et cetera, et cetera. Once we see um, episode nine and kind of know um, what where you know, we can kind of plan from there. We can kind of see what's going on. I, I man, trust I, that they I don't know, know what's man. going on. If behind this thing the scenes. wraps up in a fright in, in a, I mean, a nice friendly bow, and everything's good, and credits roll. And we're just like, all right, well, that's what, what now? we need, though. You know, like, that's honestly, all right, Ryan. Like, up to you, boy. Here we go. I think we th- that's that's what the franchise needs more than anything else, though, mm-hmm. is a nice, uh, an A minus kind of movie that is that straddles the line of hitting the nostalgia while you know furthering the the narrative and the various causes and all that sort of stuff. If you mm-hmm. if you can get that and just come out of it with everybody being like. I, I don't want this. I want like I want to come out feeling like I did coming out of Force Awakens, which is just like like my whole life has changed. This is so great. I love you know Star Wars is good again. It's awesome. I want that, but I would settle for. Can we just talk about Star Wars and have it be a, a fun conversation instead of? I hated it because Set we up. didn't. I, I didn't like the answers about Ray's parents, and I hated it because there were black people, and I hated it because all these various things. In addition to the very real. I mean, you know, there are issues with that movie that are absolutely worth talking about, and they just get drowned in all the stuff that surrounds it, and just made the conversation awful, just awful and and unenjoyable in every in every ways. I just want to get back because as a lifer, as a Star Wars lifer, I just want to get back to where 
we can be like, man, Star Wars is fun. Yeah, Star Wars is fun. And we can just, you know what? It actually right is fun, though. That's what's disappointing. Is that, right be, now, it, it is fun. Be, it's just that it's the n- freaking negativity has drowned out the fun. Well, that's Solo what I mean. was a freaking that's what I mean. fun movie. I yeah, loved. I, totally I thought agree. that was a really fun. I mean, they're they're doing train robberies. He's joking I'm with around. You. I'm Woody Harrelson's involved. I was the conversation like, around it is not fun. That's right what now. I mean. They're stripping all the fun away from Star Wars. If do you think it's them or do you think it's the fans though? The, that's I've what seen, I mean. The fans. Okay. The fans right, are stripping yeah. away the fun from Star yeah. Wars. They're making it what it, it the negative negative thing that it is. I totally um, agree. They can't. They can't just go in with an open mind and say. Oh, cool. There was an Asian girl and she had an affinity for animals. That's cool. There are people like that. I can, I can see that instead of being like, why do we need a message of eight that, you know, mm-hmm. an animal yeah, rights message in my Star Wars movie? That's not a, there's not a time or place. Like, just move on. Okay. There's, yeah. I don't know, man. I like, think you, you could can, make the argument to be like, I wish it was a little less preachy in some of its spots. And I'd be like, yeah, I agree with you. I think it could have been done su- more right. subtly. Totally understand what you're saying, but that is not. But if you're if your racist tendencies are are being uh, basically highlighted in your review, mm-hmm. then that's what I'm talking about. Yeah, that's no, what I totally we don't agree. we don't have time totally for agree. that in in the conversation anytime. So mm-hmm. just sit back and enjoy, enjoy solo. Go back and watch it again. It was fun. It was really fun. Have an mm-hmm. open mind. Just just um, let's not take this thing too seriously, man. It's a freaking movie. Okay, yeah, come on. Or, look, take it seriously if you want to, but take it seriously <laughs> for the for the movie, not right. <laughs> if you're not gonna like it, don't like that, it because that's... you didn't like it as a movie, not because of your yeah personal I, biases. I mean, like the right. movie that we're reviewing tonight, I, you know, I'm gonna take it seriously because it's a movie. That's what we're here to do is to talk critically about movies and all that sort of stuff. But it's. I, there's definitely a difference between a critical, a critical uh, looking at or digging into a movie and what the Star Wars conversation has turned into, unfortunately. Right. So, well, I want to talk about this Oscars thing real quick. Yeah. Um, yeah. Before we talk Alita, um, before we talk the real Oscar, you know. Um, <laughs> The uh, there was a little bit of controversy the past few weeks. So basically, if you've listened to our Oscars post game show, which we'll do this year next week, um, right after the Oscars, we do an episode and it'll drop within two hours of the show being over. So mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. if you want to watch the Oscars, take a shower, put your kids to bed, it'll probably be up by then, and uh, or wake yourself up and listen to it on the way to work, whatever you want to do. Um, so in those episodes, we always talk about, yeah, this is great. Really fun Oscars. It's a little too long. Probably could probably could cut some cut some awards from the live broadcast. You know, we always say that every year, just in passing. Like this could really improve it. So the Academy, listening to our feedback, feedback people like us, people that have been probably saying it for a long time, said, "Yeah, you could probably get away with cutting a few of these awards." They did that. The awards that they cut um, was <laughs> cinematography, film editing, live action short. And makeup and hairstyling. Those were the ones that they somehow uh, probably took a poll, a, a panel of their board or, or whatever. Those are the ones that they decided that were not going to lie, air live. These people would still get the awards. There was going to be during the commercial. They would get to say their speech in front of the, uh, you know, the Academy there, the people there and the audience, but it would not be televised or, or it would be televised online or something like mm-hmm. that. Yeah. Um. Those I am actually all for this. 
but not for those categories. I think they totally <laughs> missed the boat on the categories. Um, I still think there's a way to do these cat- do everything, but do it in less time. Like saying, and the winner for this year's cinematography award is Alfonso Coron. There you go. Boom. And he walks up on stage and does the thing. You don't have to do the entire the nominees are and bring out the mm-hmm. guy and do the whole thing. You don't have to do that for every award. You can do it for some, do it for the big ones, yeah. but that's a way to kind of move things along without completely cutting them out. And um, also cinematography and film editing should never have been in the conversation for ones that it should be cut because of their yeah. importance. I think I, I heard a big outcry definitely from Coron himself and from Guillermo del Toro and people like that who were very adamant that film editing and cinematography are literally how you make movies. You film things and edit them <laughs> into movies uh, that can't be not uh, highlighted. I totally agree. If it was me, um, the ones that I would put would probably be live action short, animated short, um, sound editing, and sound mixing. Those would be the ones, or I'd maybe exchange one of those for production design. Those would probably be the ones that I would put in mm. as the ones that could probably go. And I'm a person who's really into those and would love to see one production design and sound editing, but the average person probably does not care. And I think you would hear a lot less outcry with sound mixing being in in there than cinematography, film editing. But uh, they reversed the decision. The outcry was so bad that they said, all right, everything's going to be in now. Every, yeah. Okay. All right. They've heard so they've had so much problems with this, these freaking Oscars, the host thing. And I guess they're not having a host now. And, um, so now I guess Such Queen is going to play man. on the Oscars, like the actual Queen, but not. <sighs> and then, uh, yeah, so mm. it's been it's been quite they're They're just trying to get through this thing. So the actual statement was the Academy has heard the feedback from its membership regarding the Oscar presentation of the awards, cinematography, film editing, live action short and makeup and hairstyling. So all Academy Awards are presented without edits in our traditional format. We look forward to Oscar Sunday, February 24th. That was a statement. So mm-hmm. they're just trying to get through this thing without yeah. any more controversy. But they were trying to do something <laughs> like the whole thing with uh, trying to do a best popular film thing completely backfired yeah. on them, too. They're trying to move in the right direction, be more inclusive, include more <laughs> – blockbustery type movies and they're like they can't do anything How right dare you? Man. Yeah. i know it's amazing it's, an, it's a weird it, they're in a bad spot like this <laughs> was dare a, like, you? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. look the, i'll say this up up front this was a bad decision like to to try to cut out cinematography and editing like very key parts of the film experience is a terrible decision in their defense <laughs> Like, what do you want them to do, guys? Like, we all, every year, we complain about how long the stupid show is. People tune out after the first hour, and maybe they come back for the last 20 minutes. It's, you know, it's a dumpster fire most years. You can't get a host. Like, all these things we complain about, and I don't just mean we, like you and me. I mean, like, as a society, we complain (laughs) about this. The ratings suck. Like, all these sorts of things. So, (laughs) They're trying, man. I mean, they're trying. Like that's it's. I I commend the the academy. You know, the a few years ago, it was like the where there was the outcry about there's not enough representation in the voters, and so they were like, "You're right," and they added a bunch of voters, and uh, you know the <laughs> the popular movie thing. They're like, "Hey guys, wouldn't you like to watch this?" And everybody just shouted them down. Like, no, how dare you? No, we don't want you. Just just got so aggressive so fast, and now this. So it's like 
at some level, I just there's some part of me that feels bad for them. I feel like the president and his his like cronies are sitting in their office right now just like what the heck man like there's what can we do and they're just sad because all they're trying to do is find a way to make this show presentable and and trying they're trying to listen i i don't know that they're doing a great job of it but they are kind of backed into a corner where it's like what do you do because the show's too long we got to get some of this done if you start saying all right um we are not going to show uh documentary short and animated short and live action short and right. some of these we're gonna do that then those people get upset and then eventually it will lead to you know what like, if those people get seth upset be like like no and boycott the i don't mean seth but you know what i mean some then they'll start it's it's a yeah. it's a lose-lose situation and i there's not a lot of uh there's not a lot of common sense in there so like if we all agree that the that the ceremony has to be shorter okay well then now let's crowdsource it like where do we where do we start do we cut some categories do we say hey you got 30 seconds period because then people get pissed off when you start playing off the actors or the director or whatever so that's that's a deal that we gotta we gotta deal with and okay we, can we cut the in memoriam well that but you gotta respect the people that die. It's, it's like we gotta have every song <laughs> yeah we gotta have every song every song has to play yeah. and then the same people are other people say no not every it's 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 a you can't you it's almost like you can't win and so at some point they're gonna have to say all right look this show is three hours we're gonna storyboard this out like freaking saturday night live or something with postcards on the on the uh on the board and just we're gonna lay this out and this is what you get and so we got we got to come up with it. it it's 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 either we start cutting categories or I mean, we already don't have a host, so I don't even know like what's there won't be an opening monologue, all this sort of stuff. But like, if we're gonna yeah. got to get this down to two two and a half to three hours, then what do you want us to do? You want us to cut categories, or do you want us to cut speeches, or 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 what do we do? Do we do we do you come up to the stage and get your award and hold up the the Oscar and everybody claps, and then you go to a backstage area where you do your your speech and we broadcast it online or on the app or on uh one of the other channels that ab who has it this year is it abc i can't whoever has like you know we'll put we'll put uh we'll put the speeches on cnbc or something and 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 we'll just keep the thing like there's at some point Mm -hmm. the the job of this this particular program is to get ratings like they have to get ratings and last Mm -hmm. year sucked and i believe the year before that was pretty bad it's they're in a they're in a bad spot and so we're gonna have to accept that there's some changes that have to be made and somebody will be upset by those changes. So I guess you got to pick the right people to upset. (laughs) I don't know. It's, it's, I I do not want that job. I don't (laughs) want that job. You know, that's funny. Yeah, man. It's, if I was them, I would, I would be kind of like hamming this up a little bit more. If I was ABC, if I'd be like, nobody knows who the Oscar host is going to be. Mm. Tune in at the Oscars to find out who, and it like tease like just something really random, and then just hire some hire like Richard Simmons or somebody, and be and just kind of create this huge buzz about who is a, the Oscars <laughs> host is going to be, and it can be somebody totally random and doesn't even have to do anything but stand up there for the first welcome to the Oscars, you know, and does like mm. a little thing, and then they roll a, a video of something, you know. Yeah. Um. I I would be doing something like that. I would be kind of trying to deflect this in a more positive way than just kind of soaking up all this negative press and being like, seeing you got the Oscars, I would be trying to, I don't know, spin it a little mm. bit. Mystery, uh, mystery yeah. host. Yeah. And it, you know what? If you don't have a host 
doesn't that make for a shorter broadcast already? It should. It why, should. Yeah. Why we'll are we see. worried about how long the show's going to be with no host? Mm-hmm. You have well, to kill Bruce 40 minutes of, got a lot of jokes. So Yeah, but who's... Who's going to tell him? Who's going to deliver him? I know. I know. Javier it's... Bardem is going to go up there and do stand up, or, uh, you know, like that's who yeah. they've announced you... people. Casey Musgraves is apparently going to do present at the yeah, Oscars now for it's some so reason. Weird. It's so weird. Yeah. Weird. Queen's going to play the entire set, uh, the entire uh, show. I don't, I don't know. They how are? Gonna I, I don't know. I've seen that they're going to play like a three hour show. Now, I, I assume that cannot be the entirety of, but something is happening. I, I don't, <laughs> I don't know, man. Look, here's my thing this is either going to be, I feel like, I don't think there's any middle ground on this this ceremony. I think we're we're gonna be sitting there Sunday night, uh, <laughs> looking at the internet and uh, and and breaking down everything that happens. And we're gonna be saying one of two things. We're gonna be saying, "Hey, this is the way to do it. No host. We had great montages at the beginning of all the the movies that came out in 2018. We had a couple of extra musical guests, and we just had presenters pre- presenting the awards and reading the category stuff. It was great. It was kind of a little a little less frills a little no nonsense and mm-hmm. and uh and we enjoyed it and it got us out in a, in a solid three hours that's great or we're gonna be sitting here saying holy crap now we know why a host is so important this was in shambles the whole time like i don't think there's any middle ground i feel like we're gonna be this is the new paradigm for award shows moving forward or we're gonna be like hey maybe this is why we should have a host guys that's right. there's there's no middle ground to me i think i expect anyway yeah this is a this is a very pivotal year, man. It was piv- it's going to be a pivotal year for Star Wars and Gosh, the Oscars. And what be- a what a beating! Why what a beating? Everything. Why can't things just be normal? You know, just everything has to be right a beating. <laughs> Perfect transition to a lead of battle. Let's do it. Girl, you're my angel. You're my darling angel. Closer than my peeps, you are to me. All right, Alita, Battle Angel comes to us via producers John Landau and James Cameron and director Robert Rodriguez. This is a cyberpunk movie. That's an actual genre. Cyberpunk movie set in the very distant future and in a world where um people are robots robots are people but um it's a dystopian society that uh is still i guess trying to chase the dream of making a rollerball a reality and so we haven't given that thing up um this is a movie i i kind of alluded to earlier uh one that's been in production hell i guess i can uh Use that mm. phrase for twenty years. James Cameron has had the rights to it uh, for a long time. He has put it on the back burner for various projects, mainly Avatar during the uh, the mid aughts, and um, was insistent after Avatar that this project would come out. Uh, he said that it wasn't going to come out, however, until he made uh, the Avatar sequels because that was his priority. That those movies have yet to come out or uh, have yet to see the light of day. So the Alita was never going to happen if he had not, um, I guess, directed it towards somebody else. He hired Robert Rodriguez to take his screenplay, his tons of notes 
on it and condense that into something filmable. Then when he enjoyed reading that, he offered Rodriguez the job to actually make the movie instead of him having to do it. And he can make his Avatar movies, produce this on the side, and it still fulfilled his contractual obligation on the movie, which is to produce it and make it actually into a movie. So here we are, a little battle angel uh, after 20 years of production <laughs> has hit theaters in 2019. Um, to a whopping $35 million debut, um, a $200 million budget, $35 million domestic debut. And, uh, hopefully from their perspective, multiple, multiple sequels to follow Alita battle angel Two, Alita battle angel, battle angel Two, and so <laughs> forth. Um, rise of the rise of the Alita, Alita battle, battle angel twos. <laughs> yeah. More for the elitas of the rise of the battle angels. <laughs> it's going to be good. But, um, oh. but this is a movie that I think totally, uh, has a place, but and not a $200 million place. Yeah. And not a, mm -hmm. uh, 20 years of production place. Um, to me, this should have been a scaled down version of this, maybe explore kind of this universe without, some of these big, more drastic action sequences that, fran uh, frankly, I've seen way too much of, and I think most people have. Uh, it's really hard to innovate, believe it or not, with big-scale action sequences nowadays. It's just, mm -hmm. you know, there are only so many cars you can drive and flips you can do, it seems like, and it's really hard to innovate. But uh, this movie did try to do a lot of that with, with, uh, with some of the things, but... Um, it focuses on a lot. They, they throw a lot at you with this movie way too much. In fact, mm -hmm. um, so much plot flying at you, so many characters, so much motivation from every character, different, um, I would say there's probably three movies worth of plot here crammed into yeah, two absolutely. hours and seven minutes of stuff. Yeah. Um, the, I, I mentioned it earlier, the rollerball stuff, the Alita trying to be a rollerball champion or whatever, whatever the, what's the sport called? Motorball? Motorball. Sorry. Motorball, motorball champion. That needs to be a totally separate thing. <laughs> totally. Yeah. Like, why does motorball is, why is that even a, <laughs> what does that have to do with her discovering? Yeah. Yeah. Like no. trying to be this battle warrior and, and to be a bounty hunter and all this other stuff. It's just like. Oh, it will be really fun. Bring back rollerblading and like the whole sequences of of them. I know I'm ranting here, Ryan, but the sequences no, of them, keep, like at the yeah. beginning, like when they're in the slums and they're doing like the yeah. the slum version of rollerball. You know, <laughs> like it was so cheesy. It was like it was like a uh, like watching Stomp or something. Like for, you know what I mean? Like <laughs> just like all the kids are like yeah in red like jackets, the knuckle, the knuckle you know? puck. Yeah, uh, the knuckle puck thing in like D2, presents. yeah. yeah. <laughs> Alita, rollerball. <laughs> That's uh, my knuckle puck. Drives yeah. goalies crazy. It was that yeah. sequence in D2 where they're on playing mm, street hockey. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Um, but, <laughs> wow, what a comparison. <laughs> but a very, very appropriate one, I should say. But, um, man, this movie, it looked, I think this movie looked really good. Um, other than the mm. fact and I, I cannot get over this fact. This is probably the, the breaking point for this movie for me from just an enjoyability. Like I can sit back and, and really just soak this in the main character, Alita, 
mm-hmm. the battle angel. Why is she the only character in the film that doesn't have a human face? Yeah. And she's the one character that we're supposed to sympathize mm-hmm. with, relate with the most. Is it so that they can make her eyes bigger? Is that why they did her in CG? Is I feel so bad for Rosa Salazar, I think that's her name, uh, who played yeah. Alita, mm-hmm. for them doing yeah. that. It's just like another thing of James Cameron being insistent on using this technology that we have, uh, even though it doesn't need it, or mm-hmm. it's just overkill, mm-hmm. you know, and it's jarring. It, you can't really ever... I, you can't get into it. I can't. Yeah. I can't. There's a, there's a barrier there. It's it's subconscious. As as good as they think that it looks, as photoreal as it is, right? As much mm-hmm. as they put it next to Christoph Waltz, I'm like, wow, they look like they're sitting next to each other. There's something subconscious in our minds that doesn't let us see that as a real person. It just doesn't, you know? Um, and so I don't understand why you your main character is the one character that is not, that doesn't have a real face and you want us to sympathize with her. I just, I thought that was a bad decision mm-hmm. from a storytelling standpoint. It would not have hurt to have use her real face. I don't know. See why that had to be a thing, but what, what, what's your, <laughs> I'm going to hand this off to you. I've been going yeah, for seven and a half no, minutes now on Alita, but it's, uh, this is one of the more confusing, confusing movies that we've we've talked about in the, the long time that we've been doing this thing. It's I uh, we we got a lot of pre feedback on Twitter today and and a few you know in our emails and our VIP page, which you're if you're interested in that, MadAboutMoviesPodcast dot com slash VIP, and um, and it's all over the place. Uh, we had. And I don't really understand. It's it's it, this is just it's a hard one to to uh, kind of break down. And there's so much that goes into it. You know, it's sixty percent of Rotten Tomatoes. It's ninety three percent liked it audience score, which is shocking to me. Not because I think it's terrible. I don't, but because I would say the feedback that we have gotten, or the pre feedback that we've gotten, is maybe exactly the opposite of that. Like ninety three percent did not like this movie from what from our audience and. Um, and then there's a couple of, of very vehement defenders. I'm, I want to give a shout out to our, uh, our buddy, Thomas Wilson, who's, um, one of our VIPs and has, I get, I, I talk with him a lot on Twitter today, which, which I'll do occasionally. I, I'm not internet argue guy at all. Like if it starts to turn into an argument, I'm completely out. But, um, I was genuinely curious what the reception on this movie was going to be. Cause it was just such an such a different, it was such an odd movie and, and out there. So, so I talked to him a bunch and, and, and another couple of listeners as well. And, um, who were vehemently defending it versus a lot of the other others who were, who are super not defending it. Um, I think the movie, there's some places where I feel like the movie itself and, and the, uh, and, and Robert Rodriguez and, and Cameron and everybody behind it deserves some credit. It's very ambitious. I think that has to be. I put that in the plus column as as far as pro versus con. I, I, it's it's clearly it's very ambitious. Um, a lot of the the VFX looks great. I think a lot of it also doesn't. I didn't think the action sequence. I think you're right, Kent. Like, there's it's hard to do some of these action sequences and have it uh, feel new or unique anymore because of how much we have seen. We've just seen so much over the last. 
uh, to, you know, 15 years of, of advancement and how we can, we can do this stuff. So the mocap stuff was, was pretty good. I thought, I thought the stuff that was, and this is pretty common. I, I think that the, the more one-on-one individual stuff with Alita looked really good, just not in terms of her on-screen movement and her, um, the fight sequences where she it was really focused in on her. I thought were pretty good when it expanded out to wider stuff. I, like the whole motorball sequence was um, was kind of assaulting to me. I just I couldn't. I, it was it felt like the pod racing scene in Phantom Menace. I mean, it was just uh, just assault, just just over overdone and too much, and and really kind of lost the feeling of reality that you want from uh, from good. I think from good CGI, from the best CGI. But so look, it's ambitious. It, it tried to do something bold and. Um, and it was in some parts it was successful. I thought, I thought Rosa said, I thought she was really good. I, she brought more, I think you're right, Ken. Like she brought more humanity to the screen than I expected, but it was kind of robbed of her by the, by the eyes and the weird well, I look don't, of, I, of the, the It's the so character. dumbfounding. Like we, I just want it's a strange a choice, conversation man. to I be like, no, no, we, her I'm face looking, has to be this. Cause she looked at the comic. Yeah. It's like, look at the comic. It has to be. Even in the comic, it doesn't look quite as, and I, I look, I'm with you. I know I'm not a comic book reader at all. And I, I've never, I've not, I don't know that I've ever read a, a manga and I hate, uh, I hate cyberpunk, steampunk, all that sort of stuff, but not, not my jam, but, um, it is, it's not easy to, to stick with. And it was hard to take her seriously as a character because of how um <laughs> how strange she looked and it wasn't just how but you're you you hit it can't like I, I it's how strange she looked in in i counted it man like every else. other character weird yeah is a human face you know right. even the it's jackie Earl haley like crazy mm-hmm. crazy yeah. cyborg guy yeah has his face and so i just didn't see the yeah, the need yeah. for like the close ups of she's crying and things like we need a face. And I'm not I'm not mm-hmm. gonna hark I'm that's the last I'm gonna talk about of this review. I don't want that yeah. to be my whole review. Um <laughs> uh because I do want to talk about more of this movie, but it just it was a very confusing thing the more I thought about it. Mm-hmm. Uh the the more confused I was as to why I was so disconnected from this character, which I don't yeah. think it's a bad character at all. I think No, I don't either. I think I don't she's either. awesome. I think, she I think she has really cool abilities and mm-hmm. and I think this universe is I think the, the the more rewarding things about this film are the universe itself that it builds, the kind of uh like I said yeah. if this was a Netflix series and was kind of more expanded out, I think this would do uh I would be a lot more into this probably. If this was a, you know, James Cameron presents mm-hmm. Alita Battle Angel and it's seven episodes and one of the episodes is about their discovery and then another episode's about her trying to do the motorball and another episode, you know, kind of break it up more. Yeah. yeah. I would be more into that because I do, I do like, I think this looks really good. And I do think the, that as much as crap as I like to talk about James Cameron, I can't, I can't deny the fact that he builds worlds he he knows yeah, how to do that builder. Yeah, on absolutely. a commercial level on a mm-hmm. this will sell level and this does um this looks really cool um i loved the stuff of christoph waltz in his laboratory building the rebuilding the um 
cyborgs or whatever um, term they're calling them in this. And um, I thought that was really cool. I thought I his assistant who had the arm that was like robotic as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I I can get past a lot of that. See, to me, that stuff's all enjoyable. What I what I couldn't get past is just. I don't know the forced love relationship. Yes, uh, yeah. putting that on top well, of this, yeah. and then the the so Christoph Waltz's daughter. We're adding that storyline and the elite. Who you're named after Alita, who is my right. daughter, and then we got to kind of backtrack yeah, on get, that. And we got to get Casper Van Dien in this. Right. Yeah, yeah. No, no, dude. I'm totally with you. I I think that my I want to talk about the movie itself, but I also want to talk about the budget <laughs> and <laughs> the way that this was all done, because you're right. Like James Cameron for, for all the guff, cause he drives me crazy sometimes. Cause boy, does he like to talk about himself? Um, but he, he's great at, at world building. He's great at designing worlds that we will be interested in even while not it's sometimes being interested in, in his characters or his, his dialogue or his plotting and things like that. and, so like there's a anyway there's a lot here um gosh i just have have so much this is like if if anybody listened to our ama i said i don't i very rarely take notes this was one of the ones i should have taken notes on because there's just so much (laughs) at play here um the the movie needed to be 90 minutes long (laughs) or your or to your point kate or it needed to be 10 hours long in 10 episodes on 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 netflix or something but um, it was, there's way too much happening plot wise. Um, it looks weird and I just, it's just, it's, I've been saying this for months. Like you could kind of, you can write these stories well before the movie came out of like the people who are defending this movie. I don't want to generalize a lot of people who really like this movie and seem to not understand why it's, it's not doing better either critically or with audiences or both, whatever your, your, your preferences without, and they just don't seem to have an understanding that it looks weird. And that is a cyberpunk is a hard sell on anybody. It's a niche audience. (laughs) And that doesn't mean that it can't be successful. And it doesn't mean that it can't, that this movie couldn't be like the thing that introduces people to, to uh, cyberpunk. And then they're like, man, I'm super into cyberpunk now. That's totally possible. But the problem is when you make a movie that costs $200 million and that has a post-production budget and in an advertising budget and all this, stuff, I saw reports today from credible sources that had this pegged somewhere between cost that, that the movie would need to make 500 to $550 million to break even. There is no possible way that that is happening that's i mean that's like a that's a that's a five percent chance at best of something of that ever coming through when it looks so weird and when it plays to such a an admittedly niche small audience if and that was that's my frustration like the reason i don't like robert rodriguez i'm not a robert rodriguez guy i don't really dig his his aesthetic i don't there's not very many of his movies that i've ever liked even the ones that i did kind of like you know sin city is interesting for one viewing and i'm just like i never need to see that again you know i so i'm not a i'm not a rodriguez guy but i can respect what he does as a filmmaker the thing that the thing that sells robert rodriguez as a director 
to Hollywood, not not necessarily to his fans, but to Hollywood, to uh, studios that are going to make a movie, is that he makes movies that look good for cheap. And then you gave him $200 million and he totally shoots the legs out of like, why do you, why do you bring in Robert Rodriguez to do this if you're then going to go against kind of the thing that he does well is make these movies. If this movie, and I know that it would have been hard because the, the, uh, the visuals are, you know, I, I imagine are a huge chunk of that budget, but this movie needed to be done at $80 million. And if you do the movie at $80 million, then you have a chance of, having that kind of flash moment of man hey i saw have you heard of alita yeah i kind of seen it it looked kind of weird hey check check it out though it's good you'll enjoy it um and you get you get a chance for people to go see the movie if this movie made if it if it was made at 80 to 100 million dollars this weekend that it pulled in which it pulled in above expectation but still just nowhere near what it needs it made, it's made 43 million dollars here that probably means it caps out at 70 domestically, something like that, especially with uh, How to Train Your Dragon and Captain Marvel on the horizon and then us and then we're, you know, we're getting close to Avengers territory, all that sort of stuff. It's and it's not doing it's not just doing gangbusters overseas. If this movie needed 500 million dollars to break to to break even, then all the decisions made in the process were were wrong. And that's that's just the facts. Like people sometimes people get upset when we talk the budget and the box office and all that sort of stuff. And, and I want to, I'm sorry, I know I've gone on forever. I want to talk about more of the movie as well, but I think that this plays into the, the, uh, at least for me plays into the reception of the movie because this, it, it could not, it could not be this much money. You cannot spend this much money on this kind of a thing. And then also make, and I don't think this is a spoiler, but we are about, we're close to spoilers at this point. And then make the entire movie, the 100% of the entire movie is just a setup for a sequel that is never going to happen. And you can't do those two things together. You can't say, we're going to spend an outrageous sum of money that we have almost no chance of ever recovering and also make this entire movie just a one lead, one pointer scene to, after another to what's going to happen in the sequel. And that's how the whole movie feels. And that's, it's like the whole movie was written for, we just got to get this one out. And then the next one we can really take off. And you're like, but that's never, ever going to happen. It's never going to happen at a $500 million budget all in on this stuff. And that's what a colossal screw up that is because it it could, this could really be for the people who love this movie. You're not going to see another one of these. And I had uh, one of our listeners was like, well, what about Pacific Rim and the sequel that it got? And I, I, my response to that was Pacific Rim Two. what was that called? Uprising. Uprising is like the, is the perfect example of why you will not see a sequel to this because pack rim is, I cannot think in the, in the whole time that we've been doing this, I can't, and I might be wrong. If I, if you can think of another one, let me seriously, let me know. I can't think of another, um, another movie that was as close of a call as pack rim was as to whether or not it was getting a sequel because that movie made like, it made a hundred million dollars here and 400 ish million dollar worldwide on a very similar budget to this. It was like 180, 190, something like that. It's 190 and it okay. made 411 worldwide. Yeah. So that movie didn't make money with, with advertising, with, uh, with all the stuff that goes into it post, 
post budget, you know, th- that movie didn't make money. It might have broken even, but it didn't make money. And they went ahead and greenlit a sequel and the sequel made $230 million worldwide, something like that. Like, so if you're looking at Pac-Rim as a, well, Pac-Rim got a sequel, so it could, this is why Alita will not get a sequel. It's very unlikely to get a sequel. I should say it's very, it's exactly because of Pac-Rim and Uprising and all that. It's, you're taking a movie that really barely scratched what, what, uh, into close to profitability and banking on that it's going to build for the second movie and it super didn't. And I don't think this will either. I don't think, I think there are a lot, lot, lot more people in my camp that walked out feeling like I did of like, I can't believe that whole freaking movie was a setup for the next movie that's never going to come than you will people who are walking out saying, gosh, I can't wait to see to see the second movie. And that's just such a, that's such a bad mistake. You just, you just can't do that. It's one thing to lead into a sequel with the, with this, with, you know, a stinger or a post-credit scene or whatever. It's another to, to just like, to really truly feel like the entire movie was just pointing to the sequel. That's, and is man, Kent, it's just so overstuffed with, <laughs> with plot that isn't, isn't very good. So my, my, to finish up and then, I'm sorry. I know I've talked forever. It's just, I think that the weird factor and how it looks and the, the style and the, uh, the, the commercials and the trailers and all that stuff. I think that probably left a lot of audience members being like, I'm not seeing that. Like our, like our significant others being like, "Eh, I'm not really interested in that. I don't want to see that. Once you get people into the theater and hopefully this transitions us into the movie, once I'm there, okay, so I wasn't super pumped to see this. It did look weird to me. I don't like cyberpunk. I wasn't ecstatic to be there. But now that I'm here, my mind is open. Let's have a good movie here. Let's do a good movie. Once I'm once my butt is in the seat, then let's go. And then this and then the movie is just like and then it starts out with uh, <laughs> starts out with 26th yeah. Century Fox, and you're yeah. like, oh god, no, no, no. It's one of these. Just, but it just goes straight into like, uh, yeah, this narrative was our. We really weren't thinking so much about the story, and we certainly weren't thinking about dialogue. We just wanted you to see how cool everything looked. And I, I'm sorry, I don't care. Like I, that's to me is the that's a nice bonus. I want I want a narrative that makes sense. I want characters that I can care about. I want. I want dialogue that isn't just making me cringe and gro- I mean, I was li- there were moments when I was literally groaning in yeah. the theater, just like, oh, dude, it, gosh, it is like. You know? I mean, if the source material, if this is faithful to the source material, it's some of the most cliche source material I've ever, I've ever and, heard. I and mean, to be, yeah, the, it, look, uh, the whole, um, you know. She's the chosen one. You've somehow right. survived this this war. And then the uh, Marshal Ali guy going, mm-hmm. you know, being, we must find her and kill her. She cannot be come to power. And then yeah. uh, her, you know, coming under the wing of this guy who lost his daughter. Um, she finds this, this uh, whatever body that she can't. And she's like, here, put, put, I want this body. It's better. And he's like, you can't have that body. Right. Oh, you know what? You definitely knew she was getting that body back, right? Yeah, At some point yeah. in this movie. I mean, and, it's just like, right, it's just fill in the blank. I mean, mm-hmm. oh, let's have a bar fight now. Oh, let's have a roller skating race. Mm-hmm. Let's, yeah. you know, it's like, you're right. It just, it solely exists so that James Cameron right. can be like, look how cool this technology yes. was. Yes. It cost us $200 million. Yeah, and that's no, ultimately totally. what sank this film is his insistence to make this a $200 million movie that had yeah. to be done 
it has to be done like this. This is the only – we invented this technology so that we could right. do this this way right. so that we could have a guy flying through the air and simultaneously capture it and really, you know, all these things that he's spent all this time doing to show off for this, mm-hmm. for mm-hmm. this. It's not like you're saving this for I'm going to get the best screenplay of all time. I'm going to – it's going to be this huge thing. You know, kind of – Avatar was honestly the perfect storm of weird plus – um cool production design plus 3d was kind of coming in at that time it was the per- mm-hmm. it, honestly it's the highest grossing movie of all time you can't predict that you can't you can't tr- you can't say i don't know i mean even james cameron can't can't say predict a movie with no prior kind of ip attached to it that will make yeah. 200 million dollars something completely new no matter how much innovation you think you have no matter how cool you think the universe is it's just almost impossible from the ground up to build a 500 million dollar film with like i said no ip that's the main thing yeah and the ip on this again there is ip but it's so small it's It's a small audience that it's like it's a 30 million dollar opening weekend and that's being conservative i mean I would say just the Alita fan base is probably a ten million dollar. I mean, it's like the Magruber sure. fan base. I mean, they're sure. out there, but it's just got to go find them, you know. Right, and, right. And um, and so if you're going to do this, you're right. You've got to. This has a cult cult following kind of feel to it. You've got to try to make this as cheap as you can. You can't shoot Robert Rodriguez. I love you, man. You can't shoot this in Austin. You can't do that. You can't be like take this. And I know you probably had a, a limited budget on this, but you've got to try to say, all right, we're going to go to New Orleans. We're going to go to Vancouver. We're going to go to Cleveland. We're going to do this as cheaply as we possibly freaking can. And yeah. we're going to try and make, because of how risk, how much of a risk it is. And I'm assuming that Robert Rodriguez had nothing at stake with this. <laughs> you know? Yeah, look, His credibility. Yeah, totally, totally. Yeah, no, I, I totally, God. Man, he's like, yeah. Well, if I do this and it bombs, it's all on James Cameron. It's not on me, you know. Basically, <laughs> yeah. There's there's something to that. No, you're right. Because like, the deal is can't what, his what last happens, movie, uh, oh, Sin City two, wasn't it? Yeah, completely uh, bombed. Yeah. yeah, look, he, he. It's not like he has a great. That's what I'm saying. He doesn't have Robert Rodriguez is not. Not, he's not who we thought he was gonna Zemeckis be when or, he started. And, and, and look, he has he has. Re, he has a big fan base and I'm, they're not wrong like it, he makes movies for his fans and i respect that i respect the crap out of that i'm not one of them so i don't really like his movies but i respect that but my point is if you're gonna if you're hiring robert rodriguez you have to do it the robert rodriguez way and make it have it come in on a lower budget that's that's the point of mm. of of bringing him in is that he makes movies that look good for for not a ton of money, and you have to do it that way if you're if you have any chance. I I just feel like any movie like this, again, like I I super I really respect the ambition. I respect taking risks. I know that people, I know that there's a certain uh, I don't know subset of of moviegoers, and and I don't know if it's ten percent of moviegoers or fifty percent. I have no clue that are kind of tired of the the Marvel way of things, the DC way of things, the the Star Wars way of things. You know, that very uh, corporate kind of cookie cutter. They feel like it's bland. And they're, you know, they're right to some degree. Um, if you're... So, like, I, I, I guess I respect that. I respect that take risk to do something that doesn't 
fall into that category. But like anytime you do a movie like this and it's a total flop, which or a half a flop, maybe is what we'd say this might turn out to be. I don't know. When you do something like this and it's ambitious and it's weird and it's out there and it's risky and all that sort of stuff, and you have so much at stake and it flops. Guess what doesn't get made next time is another movie that is ambitious and risky and bold and takes chances and does all this stuff that might be a better movie. So it's like you're you're I don't know, it's like you have to get things right or or you make the the next movie look bad because instead of whoever whatever when 20th Century Fox has another ambitious movie come in through the through the door. They have a script that's sitting in front of them that's super ambitious and out there and bold. And it's like, okay, we're gonna we need 120 million dollars to do this, or we can spend 120 million dollars on the eighth movie of some franchise or a reboot of I don't know, like <laughs> the the Pink Panther, but with the rock, you know, or something. You know, the that's what's <laughs> gonna get made. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. that's what's gonna happen. So movies like this, like like Mortal Engines, like uh Pac Rim, kind of like mm-hmm. Jupiter Ascending, like Valyrian, movies like this that are Mad Max, Fury Road, that are out there, that are weird, they have to work. They have to be good. They have to make money or else they don't get made anymore. And your chances for for having something out there that isn't bland and cookie cutter and corporate and whatnot, just it it, it drops. It drops another notch, you know, and and it's a... It's like that was never factored into making this movie. And I know that's James Cameron because that's, I mean, he's, he's, <laughs> no one is as sure of himself as James Cameron is, you know? And, and that's great. That's a great thing, except when it gets you into this. Or I think what's going to happen with Avatar, you know? We're, we're dead yeah. set and we're going to make four of, is it, I guess four of these movies. And I don't think anybody really wants them. Avatar one's going to come out and it's going to like, I mean, Avatar 2, uh, the, the first of the Avatar sequels is going to come out. By the way, sure. those titles we talked about a few weeks back, Brutal. those were like actual, <laughs> actual titles. I know. Like, they, I know. <laughs> he's oh. like, yeah, well, well those, those are in the conversation. That's what he said, <laughs> which means that's, that's what it is. So yeah. Avatar, the seed bearer, is going to be a real, mm. real uh, mm. fun time to spend family with the Christmas I mean, and the seed bearers. That's just... Um, I'm going to stop, uh, commenting yeah. on that, but yeah. but yeah, I think Avatar is setting up to, I don't know, be a $75 million opening weekend. Like somebody's going to go up against it. I think higher. It. I think it, I think it'll bring in a lot opening weekend and then this, and then it just sinks from there. And if they then do the third one, I th- I think you're, then you're talking, it's just, it's diminishing returns all the way down the line. Unless, unless Avatar 2 just comes out and blows us away. It's a. I just don't think it's a good bet, and that's. Yeah, I don't think he knows that, and I feel like for me, this this movie kind of solidified the sort of delusion that we've bought that he's bought into that that like well, I mean, people are just. I mean, I ran a poll on our VIP feed today or our page today. Um, just I mean, I just straight up asked. I said, "Do you care about Avatar? Yes or no." And right now it's 82% do not care. And I mean, I know that like our, whatever, our, our, uh, listeners are not the, uh, it, that may not, that may be a terrible sample for our poll for all of, uh, of moviegoers worldwide. But 
it's not nothing, right? I mean, it, it that has to matter some. And most of the comments, too, are not like, eh, I could take it or leave it. Most of them are like, hated it when it came out, super hate it now, or I will never see this movie, or I will never go to the sequel. You know, like, very vehemently, like, I super don't care. And so... <laughs> That just, it just, I just don't think it was ever a consideration, Kent, that this yeah. movie might not make $120 I think that it was again. because they, Fox knew, they put this thing out on February 14th. But yeah, I think yeah. they're just like, oh let's just gosh, get this thing yeah. over with. Let's just, I don't know. They're just tired of, of Smart. being hey, in by that the way, business. I, one more pro, uh, positive. Very smart for them to move it from where it was. To, to put this uh, on, in Febu- mid-February. And, uh, you know, hit President's Day weekend and all that, as opposed to going up against Mortal Engines and Spider-Verse and Aquaman and Mary Poppins and everything that was supposed that came out around Christmas. Very smart move on their part. Like, I, I give them a lot of credit. I don't know why in the world they had it slated as a Christmas release to begin with. But um, anyway, do you want, I, I guess we should talk about the movie. I feel like we've all, <laughs> all on the... The backside, but I that's mean, part I've of this. About that's, it, man. that's a big part of the conversation with this. I really think it is. Is is mm-hmm. how this got made and what <laughs> some of the decisions that were made in the in the process. I mean, like I I alluded to it earlier. It's a very typical origin story. I mean, uh, female protagonist. Yeah. Um, Love that kind that's of prove her prove her way, stand up for herself, kind of stuff. Um, I'm all for that. Um, the assault of just CG is just kind of, I don't know. That's what I can't kind of get past is Mm. it's just not, it just hurts at some point, you know, it's like, there are some worlds that are fun to kind of to the eyes. Like avatar is a very pleasing experience. Yeah. Um, this is more like a hurdy experience, (laughs) like in venom too, you know, Mm -hmm. it's reminding me of venom and just kind of the, it's just rough, you know. There's something rough about cyberpunk too. That's maybe what's such a hard sell. It's not like it's space and it's kind of pleasing and everybody's floating and and <laughs> it's dark, you know. This is just, mm-hmm. a, just a different, dirty kind of rollerblady kind of world, yeah. which, um, <laughs> like I said, the world the world building is his best part, but at the same time, it's just hard to hard to truly get in, in into it, and mm-hmm. you know, um, hard to be invested. Yeah, man, it's. Again, it just feels like rollerblades are really popular in 2000, and <laughs> that stayed a part of this and never kind of. <laughs> yeah, it's 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 like you you mentioned earlier too that like a lot of the themes and the tropes and stuff have just been overplayed. Um, I mean, it's just cliche. I, I mean, yeah, it's it not, is. It is. And it's it, not I, that it doesn't work. It's just like well, I've seen it 50 times by now. Yeah. No. Look here. Here's the thing. Um, works for a reason, but it's not. Yeah, like these, do you remember these, when uh, this is all last John thing I Carter? What? Remember when John Carter came out? In yeah, like two thousand. That's a great example. Maybe. Great example. Yeah, by the time that got to screen, everything from those books had been rated and used in other movies and and books and everything like that. And so, by the time John Carter gets to screen, we had already all the all the themes and the tropes from those books that were then translated to screen. They felt tired and cliche because we'd seen them a hundred times by then. Well, that's not really, it's not really fair to the books that that's, you know, that that's the case, right? Like that's not, that's not, that sucks for them that it yeah. took so long for the movie to get screened. That's kind of similar. If, if this is extremely fa- faithful to, to the manga, then 
Um, I get the need to, I, I fully understand the desire to be faithful to the source material. However, I mean, this, this, this manga series stopped publishing almost 25 years ago. So all that stuff has been done. Like <laughs> it kind of, it, I don't, I don't want to even, but like if, <laughs> if rollerblades were a big deal in the manga, that totally makes sense because the manga series ran from 1990 to 1995. I don't know, Harley, I don't know anybody who rollerblades now. So I don't know that we would need to have rollerblades 400 years in the future and be such a huge part of, uh, of what we're doing. And the same goes for, you know, the cliches and the tropes and stuff. It's like, if that's coming from the source material, then you need to deviate from the source material to make it feel a little more original to have the narrative, um, match the, the originality of the, uh, of the effects and to make that, to make that play. But that's not really James Cameron's strong suit. And I don't, I think clearly that's not really Robert Rodriguez's strong suit either. So. Yeah. uh, hmm. They are, they're high, high risk, high reward guys, man. And, 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 you know, I guess no studio is kind of dumb enough at this point to say no to James Cameron, you know, because the, the one studio that's going to say no, he's going to make the next avatar, right? Mm-hmm. Right. When you doubt the guy, he he makes the best or the highest, you know, right. When you say you can't make Titanic, he does it. And it's mm-hmm. the biggest thing ever. And, um, same with avatar. So, I mean, that's probably why he keeps getting movies made. It's why, Robert Rodriguez signed on because he knows he doesn't have much at stake with this. And, and, uh, if anything, if this is a success, it would lead to more money and opportunities for him. So good on that. But mm-hmm. like I said, it's, it's not, not a good indication of where things are headed, but you're right, man. Avatar could completely rewrite the book. And if it does, if that's why we've waited 15 years for a sequel, then great. And, uh, then I'll, I'll be the first person to come on here and say, um, that I'm convinced, you know, yeah. because, yeah. um, like I said, um, right when you doubt the guy, he's going to do, he's going to prove you wrong. And he's done that, made a living off that. So, um, so hats off to that. And, um, pretty surprised there was no Wally cameo in this world either. I was like, <laughs> Wally's like, <laughs> yeah. So, uh, he got destroyed in the first the, the, motor the trash ball run. Motor. Yeah. <laughs> That's funny. Yeah. No, like I don't, I can't blame. There's, no blame whatsoever f- towards anybody for doing this movie. And, and I think it's a, I think it's a viable property. I just think it had the execution is, is where the blame lies. I think you gotta, you gotta do it smarter. You gotta do it better. You gotta give us, give us a reason to go to the theater. And once we get to the theater, give us a reason to engage beyond just, but it looks great. Well, I mean, Michael Bay movies look great too. And I don't give a rip about them, you know? And, and, that's not an uncommon opinion. It's not like a hot take that I have. So that's, it's just a lot of, gosh, dude, I, can we just please stop? Can we please, please stop having love stories? Just dominate. Just to have them. Just to have them. Cause there's no, this, this movie, that kid sucked. There was nobody the less convincing than that kid in this movie. No, he was <laughs> terrible. He was terrible. Keenan Johnson is there. Yeah. I'm sure he's fine in other things, but you know, we all have, <laughs> We all have bad spots on our resume. Gosh, he was brutal in this. And, and I, you know, I think part of it's his fault. Part of it is acting against a mocap performer. It's weird. It's hard. It's very difficult to do. You know, we talk like that jungle book movie. We talked about how hard it was for that kid to, 
to do what he did in that movie because he's literally acting against a blank screen. Well, mm-hmm. in this, you're acting across somebody who's got dots all over her face and weird apparatus on her head and all this. For, I mean, it's it's hard. It's hard to find chemistry in that setting. And I don't think he was given much to, to work with, but he also was bad. So it, yeah. that was that whole plot could have been cut down to like three minutes, maybe. You could simplify it and have the movie be significantly better, I think, just just on that front. What did you, I, at this point, <laughs> spoilers for, for here, what did you think of the end? Where did you come out on, on the extreme cliffhanger ending of uh of the movie you mean the cameo yes oh, well yeah i mean I, did you did you know it was him because i spotted yeah, him in the, in, I and i was that. like is that and ed norton and i was like, like and then when i when i saw edward norton i was just like did i miss something right like, what? Same, here. same here same here yeah it did it felt so cheap um but yeah i mean i don't know if i necessarily cliffhanger um or Other, set up. I should yeah, say. it's set just a setup. Uh, I mean, I'm just sad we didn't get to see how that race ends, you know, because it ends with Lita <laughs> like starting out in that motorball match. And I just want to see how that match ends. Um, it, it's so funny how they completely try to like that wasn't a part of the marketing at all. Like the motorball aspect of this was it? Like yeah. I feel like it was maybe very, like very, very little, little yeah. because yeah. they knew that how awful it was maybe and they don't want people to think that this was a rollerball movie which Mm -hmm. it basically is um but yeah man it it, it's honestly one of those things that i don't know it you feel bad for rosa salazar more than anybody because she was good um i mean for example i mean think about alicia vikander in ex machina Mm -hmm. literally was nominated for an academy award for that movie because they used her face and she was still able to do all these things. Like, that's what I felt most. I actually went back and watched the B-roll of them shooting this film to see how they did it. Mm-hmm. And you're right. Like, she's she's acting alongside, like, real people. But she's just covered in dots and, like, this gray suit. And it's like, wait till you see this, Rosa. It's definitely yeah. not going to be worth, the, uh, <laughs> <laughs> worth it at all, you know. It's going to make you look really weird and no one's going to recognize you. And you're not going to yeah. get any credit whatsoever for this movie. But, uh Trust me. No, and like I said, I I'm fine with the technology. Ready Player One, they use it. You know, they've used it a lot. Um, mm-hmm. But it just yeah. didn't make sense when you pick and choose when to use it in this movie. That 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 was one that you chose to use it was the main yeah, character. I totally. And agree. Jennifer Jennifer Connelly, what are you doing? I don't. Yeah. I'm not even gonna go there. Yeah, I mean, I'd start there if we're cutting budget. <laughs> you you don't Christoph Waltz, Christoph Waltz. Excuse me, like. Um, I see why he, he was necessary, but he looks, he, it, it was really uncomfortable watching him in the action sequences, like carrying this yeah, the giant absurdly giant yeah. axe spear yeah. thing just was not the hunter uh, warrior. Yeah. Not great. Not great. But I, he had value to the movie that you couldn't have gotten by a, you know, an average wins above replacement actor, but like Jennifer Conley and. Marshall Ali, who's one of my very favorite actors, you, you could have gotten just random dudes who just filmed a cameo or like a guest spot on Law and Order <laughs> SVU or something. You know what I mean? Like any any working actor and actress could have filled those roles 
and it would have been just the same no matter what. And whatever salary they're making, you probably could have allocated somewhere else, maybe to replace Keenan Johnson with somebody who's good. I don't know. Like, it, there's just there's just a lot of odd. This is nitpicking at this point, but no, I I, I this felt like <laughs> that bad RoboCop reboot. Yeah, uh, that's yeah. honestly what the tone felt like for. But interchange bad yeah. RoboCop with Alita mm-hmm. and add Ed Screen into the picture, and there you go. We got Alita <laughs> Battle Angel yeah. coming to no, a theater near. <laughs> I, I mean, I, I agree with you. All I could think of was like was Mortal Engines and Jupiter Ascending. And just, I was just thankful I didn't see Mortal Delirium. Engines when I was sitting in this. I was yeah. like, I can't take much more of the steampunk uh, there, stuff. Yeah, I mean, they're all in that same class. And I, but I think this movie's better than those movies are. Mm-hmm. But but all three of those movies were like, I mean, Jupiter Ascending is one of the five worst movies I've, <laughs> I've seen for this this show. You know, I mean, that's like, it's that's not great. That's not, that's not really the standard that we that we should want. But I, dude, I I tell you what, I was I was still sort of I was definitely trending in the negative direction by the time we got to that that ending, and I'm like looking at my my watch like how much more time do we got on this man? Like we got to, We got to wrap this up. We got to wrap up this, this Ed Norton Nova storyline. Where yeah. are we, what are we going? Where are we going with this? And then, so I was already trending negative probably, but I was still sort of on the fence. When, when that hits and you realize, Oh, it's going to end on this and we're going to cut to credit here. And it kind of contextualizes in a bad way a lot of the stuff that has been done up to that point, a lot of the decisions that have been made. I, it for me that that whole thing may have dropped it a full letter grade. I was just like, that's an absurd, stupid choice. There's yeah. such a big difference between uh, like Nick Fury popping up in the post credit scene in Iron Man, you know, and them kind of being a little cocky about calling their shots for what was to come, and then versus this entire movie has about 15 minutes of actual necessary plot for this movie. And then everything else is just like, Oh, you'll, you'll get it now. You'll get it. You now you'll understand the sequel that we're going to do in four years that you're like, that's never ever going to happen. It's never going to happen. It's such a, that's such a horrible decision to me. Yeah. 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 It's, it's very dark university, right? Oh yeah. Uh, Dark universe, predator, the predator. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, That's true. It's true. Um, yeah, man, this one had a lot, had a lot of stuff that I don't know. Should we? I don't want to keep going, but we yeah, can. Kill, um, yeah, Listen. I mean, it had it was like really heavy handed in the. Uh, um, I don't know. I think there's one part where she she tries to get the new suit, like body suit, right? And he's like, "No, your heart. You don't have enough heart." Like saying yeah. things like that, <laughs> and man. like she's. She's more human than all of us, even though she's not human at all. You know, like all those kind of big, quote unquote, like messages of the movie, you know, that are that aren't like big at all. And they're just so obviously like put in front of uh, you. Taking her heart out of her chest was I mean, I was I almost Richarded at that point. I almost walked out. I was just like, this is this is terrible. Can't do this. It was like got to stop doing this. If I I was just waiting for the uh them to break out into the uh, if i only had a heart song from was you know yeah yeah change it to, yeah if yeah. I only had a, um, <laughs> that's funny um it, it just yeah like i said the messages 
are aren't subtle at all and it's just very i don't know I, I feel like we've tried we've seen this stuff before and it was like when when um james cameron wrote the screenplay he's like all right the th- three things i want you to hammer home are feminism um that that uh humanity that uh humanity is only defined by your actions and not by uh the color of your skin or the content of your care you know like mm-hmm. these very obvious things that and just like all right and then we're gonna use this property to tell that message you know it um it was kind of heinously assembled if that makes sense <laughs> and uh and that uh it's about as best as i can put it so yeah. let's hit grades <laughs> um right. I'm going to give Alita Battle Angel. Again, uh, one more thing on this. I saw this in the Dolby um, surround theater. Mm-hmm. Really good. Really good okay. experience with the sound. Cool. So if you can check that out, it's worth seeing for if you go the premium sound thing. I thought it, from that perspective, it was uh, pretty entertaining. Um, I'm going to give Alita a C. Okay. Yeah, that's 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 about where I'm at as well. I it's certainly not going to be I'd be shocked if it was in my bottom. If if this is in my bottom ten of the year, then it means we had a we had a a a, a yeah. really really good year, you know? So that's that's something, I guess. But it's not it's not good and it, it it's I think the good elements just really get swallowed up by some very I don't know. It's possible for me to say this, that I am not the audience for a movie and I can still appreciate that it is well made. And I just, I'm not, I don't know. I'm not totally there with this one. I think, I think the good stuff really gets swallowed up by the bad stuff. And it just, a lot of the bad stuff is just puzzling. I just don't understand some yep. of the, the process behind, uh, behind the, the, the choices that were, that were made uh, along the way. But I tried, I tried and just couldn't, just couldn't get there. So how much was Edward Norton paid for this one, man? We didn't mention that because he doesn't yeah. like to do things. No, no, like this. You know, this is an odd choice for him. Yeah, this is this is like early two thousands Ed Norton rearing his head. So I would assume he got quite the payday for this and some advance or some uh, a big deal for any potential mm-hmm. sequels moving forward. But yeah, you're right. Like he doesn't, he doesn't want to do this kind of stuff. But yeah, I I would bet that was. <laughs> you know, one day of work and oh, half a day. You know, that, yeah. <laughs> a two million dollar check or something. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. No, it's yeah. it's which you know, get that money, bro. But sure. Um, yeah, I just it's dude. We didn't even I didn't even think about oh, the dog getting crushed and her spreading dog blood on her face. Oh, it's just <laughs> that was awful. <laughs> so bad. So yeah. bad. Uh, anyway. <laughs> Just anyway, to have the visual man, of her, like yeah. with the war paint, right? With the yeah. No, look. If you like this movie, I, this is not. This is not one of those movies. Like, I'm not offended by this. movie. No, no, me neither. But, I, I'm just kind of. I'm more puzzled by the poor choices than anything else. But like, I totally. If you like this movie, I totally get it. I'm not the market, so that's that's a negative probably, or that's that doesn't start it off on the great foot, great foot. But I try. I went. I go into every movie with an open mind, and I tried. It's just just seem like from the outset like man what are we doing here like this this should have been should have been done a lot a uh, lot tighter but yep. anyway okay it's uh d- double c's from us for elite battle angel and uh this one's gonna be in heavy rotation on the sci-fi network i feel like for the next <laughs> couple of years so keep an eye out yeah.
All right, let's hit those recommends, Bri. Weekly recommends. All right, Bri, what you got, bro? I'm going to recommend a show on the Netflix. I don't know if this is going to make you happy or angry, Kent. I don't know. I'm, I'm a little concerned that you're going to turn on me here. It's called The Umbrella Academy. Have you seen this? <laughs> No, I, uh, I, know how, I know how seriously you take umbrellas. I don't know no, if this I, offends you. Well, I'm I'm all about all all things Gerard Way. So any My Chemical Romance influenced property, I'm I'm all about. So I was I was I was a P one of of the Umbrella Academy, and it's umbrellaism. The umbrellaism community is. Let's just say we're about yeah, to put that, out our statement. That's what I'm wondering: is if it's yeah. if it's furthering the cause of the umbrella community, or if it's. Um, if it's offensive to you. You know so. what? Uh, we can only, let's just say, shedding light on umbrellism is it's only a good thing. Okay. Because right. we, like we're, we're, a, we're a very underrepresented community. Sure. People who operate pretty much every decision day to day based on what kind of umbrella they would be rocking at that particular moment. That's the crowd of people we're talking about. By the way, mad about umbrellas. I'm not kidding. Yeah, when's that coming, man? Dropping I need it. very soon um, in the VIP. I will drop that. This has been a, a a bit that has been years in the making, and I'm not exaggerating that at all. This is, I'm not joking. Mad About Umbrellas is a is a bit that we've a fake show that we've been secretly recording um, with guests without their knowledge, and this is 100 uh, percent true. And it'll, the episode will be dropping in the VIP. I would say within weeks by the by March by March first it will be out. I'll just, I still have to assemble and right. do all the production, right. but but um, that's the goal. March first, um, um, look out for our Mad About Umbrellas. But um, but yeah, Umbrella Academy is it good? I've heard mixed reviews. Yeah, dude. Yeah, I, I'm enjoying it. It's uh, I haven't even looked to see if if other people are enjoying it. So um, so you know I've, I've I'm, I'm out on a limb here. But uh, yeah, no, it's I've seen three episodes I think, and it's. It's kind of like uh, it reminds me of Watchmen, but with a little a little quirk to it and a little less mm, Snydery, you know. <laughs> like I'm out, it's then. still I'm out. Yeah. <laughs> we're gonna do Watchmen next month, by the way. So look forward to that VIPs. Um, but it, it's a it's still dark, just as Watchmen is dark, but it's it's dark in a less. Um, <laughs> immersive way i don't know it's it, there's there's some fun to it there's some jokes the mm-hmm. the uh the uh the music that they use is usually pretty interesting kind of kind of james gunny the way or at least james gunn like the way that they yeah kind of incorporate pop music into it and it's not sympathy for the devil the entire time and, and stuff so yeah i'm three episodes in it's it's interesting it's fun i'm i'm curious as to how this is all going to unfold and it's all sitting right there on netflix so the cool 99 of you who have netflix it's it's readily available to you and yeah I, i'm enjoying it i'm, I'm hope hopefully i'm not gonna come back next week and be like well i watched the rest of it and it sucked but those first three episodes i'm, I'm really digging so I'm, I'm i'm excited to uh to finish it out um side recommend uh, I rewatched Happy Death Day this past uh, this past weekend. Mm. Really fun <laughs> movie. Um, <laughs> Happy Death Day to you is out right now. Haven't seen, seen it. it. Haven't seen it yet. But according to the review aggregator that we do refer to as the Rotten Tomatoes, um, Happy Death Day to you 
should probably be in the conversation for best picture this year because sitting at 67 and and Bohemian Rhapsody is at 61. So I got to go change my Bohemian better, Rhapsody better more critically rock. acclaimed than Bohemian Rhapsody. That's But like I said on the IMDb uh list of the IMDb top 100 or whatever it's it's like ahead of like raging bull like bohemian rhapsody <laughs> it's pretty funny it. it's pretty Can't amazing it, um but yeah happy death day was fun i'm sure the sequel is is pretty fun too if you like campy horror uh mm-hmm. it doesn't take itself too serious that's a fun kind of uh series that that i'm sure we'll get a sequel now this one the sequel did pretty pretty mm-hmm. decent considering somebody on twitter today asked us if we were doing an episode and i said we are not kent mike no i, you did, I mean it's did, it's not that scary, episode. man. Yeah. I think you could handle it. It's, oh, I it's hate super, camp too, though. That's the thing. It's it's both. It's it's like Groundhog Day oh. meets uh, Scream. Yeah, if that if that makes sense. Yeah. Um, okay, so that's not my recommend. Um, I'm going to recommend. I don't know if you've seen Abducted in Plain Sight, Brian. Oh my gosh, dude! I'm only going to recommend just because of the potential <laughs> VIP bonus episode that we could do on it just like how insanely dumb these parents are is i can't get over how (laughs) dumb these 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 girls parents are holy cow yeah the dumbest maybe the dumbest people that have ever walked this that they should not be walking like i can after seeing this i can say that these people should not be allowed to make decisions for people anymore Um, dude (laughs) i so i had a friend this is like a two part. I had a friend be like, Hey, have you seen abducted in plain spot sight? And I was like, no, I, have. I, I saw it on, you know, it's out there. I know what it is, but no, I haven't. And I'm like, I don't really like watching movies, documentaries about kids getting abducted. That's not my jam. Cause I don't, you know, that's like the thing I live in fear of every single day is that my kid's going to get abducted or like in a school shooting or something. So I don't really, I don't really need that. And he goes, okay, but you're not an idiot. So none of this would ever happen to you. And I was like, oh, okay. And then they were talking about it on the ticket. Well, I like turned the radio on and then got in the shower or something. And it was, and I was listening and I was just like, what is happening? Like every detail of this documentary was just the most wheels off insane thing that could ever, I'm I like, yeah, dude, like you saw her. I have, I've watched, I've watched like 30 minutes of it and then oh. I had to, had to cut well, off. But like, what are we doing, man? Like, yeah. how are these people giving interviews Dude, for this? you? You need to see it to the end. Like it goes, let's just say, I'm glad it was an hour it gets and a half. more wheels off. <laughs> it gets, it's wheels off till the last minute of it. Oh and gosh. it's like, I was just relieved it was an hour and a half because when, I, when people were telling me to watch it, I was like, I can't do another, like making mm-hmm. a murderer where it's like six yeah. episodes and we're doing yeah. all this. And so when I saw it was one thing, it was one documentary that was 90 minutes. I was like, I'm all in. Let's do this. And I, I'm not <laughs> kidding you, man. To the very end, you're going to be like, what is happening? How are these people not in prison right yeah. now? It yeah. is. It's mind blowing. But, awesome. but yeah, um, that's, yeah, I'll, I'll recommend, I'll recommend that awesome. because um, I want everybody to just, be, everybody's <laughs> jaws to collectively drop over the next week. And uh, send us your thoughts at Mad About Movies on Twitter. <laughs> if you've seen this, if you want the VIPs uh, speak out, if you want us to talk about it, maybe yeah. me and Brian can come back next week and do a little thirty minutes on it. But um, wow, we're gonna have lots. We got lots of extra stuff soon. Netflix, by the way, has freaking VIPs. yeah. Go ahead, go ahead. Netflix sorry. has killed the true crime doc game. Like mm-hmm. over the past year, yeah. two years, man, 
That's all I got to mm-hmm. say. If they just do that, if that if that's their target market, they just want to do right. like basically murder porn, you know, I'm yeah. good. I'm good with that. That's that's I can watch that all the time. <laughs> so By the way, awful. beginning next week this show will be called Mad About Murders. We're just we're going to go all My favorite Mad About Murders. Murder. Yeah. <laughs> we could just go on tour and just you know, you drop the C word every other sentence or we're good, you know? Yeah. Just, yeah. Uh, two night show, man. What a life. I'm, I'm extremely jealous. Hey, uh, to the VIPs very quickly. We, uh, to, as, and as a tease, I know we said we were going to do a Harry Potter retrospective this month in February, but we were, we've got a, we've got an open spot in March. So we're going to push to March. So just be, if you're, if you're waiting for Kent's first <laughs> delving into the Harry Potter universe, that is not fantastic beast as I am. I'm incredibly pumped for that. It's just we're we're still doing it. We're just starting it uh, a couple weeks later. So just you know, be ready for that. We I'm not kidding, Kent. Almost on a daily basis, somebody tweets, emails, otherwise comments is like, I can't wait for the Harry Potter retrospect. People are pumped about this. Oh so, yeah, so that's what we're gonna do. Gonna be awesome. We're gonna do one uh, movie a month for the rest of the year, essentially, <laughs> and uh, in the VIP. And so we're gonna do first. It's the Sorcerer's Stone, I believe. And that'll be dropping. Or the philosopher's stone, for, yeah, if you're a nerd. Depending on your country. Um, <laughs> that'll be dropping in the first week of March in the VIP. Okay. So, yeah. so be excited for that. Right. And then the uh, first week of April, we'll, we'll follow up with the fight for the prisoners of um, Arkansas or whatever it is. Uh, what is it? How dare you? Azkaban, sir. Azkaban. Uh, fight for the prisoners of Azkaban. Rise and of the, the dawn the, of the, the crown of the, of the goblets and whatever <laughs> oh, we're going to get, we're going to get Megan, it all. We're gonna do it all the, so angry right all now. All the wizarding is going to happen in in our butterbeer world of <laughs> Hogwarts. And that's going to happen. I love so it. Look forward to that. Uh, oh. Brian, where can I find you online, man? <laughs> you can find me on Twitter, Beagle 12. You can find me, uh, my, find my writing at madaboutmoviespodcast.com. And uh, the Matter About Movies podcast newsletter. Uh, Kent, where can we find you? Find me at KentGarrison.com, Kent Garrison on Twitter, Instagram, and Snap. And uh, find us online, MatterAboutMoviesPodcast.com. Subscribe to the VIP for uh, another episode this week and uh, more episodes to come. Like I said, we're doing our Oscars postgame show next week. We're talking How to Train Your Dragon. We've got an Anchorman episode dropping very soon as a throwback, so get excited for that. And... um. Leave us five stars if you like what you hear, and that helps grow the show. Till next week. Don't like what you hear. Don't like what you hear. Don't leave us a review. Don't leave us a review. Just go away. You can. It's a free show. You could just unsubscribe. You could try that. Yeah. Well, this was free entertainment. So look at as as an hour of something you did not like, and you're just going to move on. And uh, (laughs) we'll see you guys next week when we talk Oscars next Monday morning uh, at the cinema. Goodbye. Baby, I hear the blues are calling Tossed salads and scrambled eggs And maybe I seem a bit confused Yeah, maybe, but I got you pegs <laughs> But I don't know what to do With those tossed salads and scrambled eggs They're calling again Scrambled eggs all over my face They're making me ya ya Again.